welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Hey, everyone. This is Chris. Welcome back to Dads with Daughters. Really excited to have you here again this week. And this week, we're going to be talking about nutrition. We're going to be talking about your health. But we're, but we're first going to start off by talking to William Maloney, who's with us today, because William is a health and human performance advisor, and he's going to be sharing some, some great pieces of wisdom. Grab a notebook, make sure to write some notes, because I'm sure he, he's definitely going to have some pearls of wisdom that he's going to be imparting today to help you to find some better nutrition in your own lives. But we're also going to talk about fatherhood, as we always do. Well, William, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate the intro. It was a, a glorious red carpet rollout, and and I'm I'm really pleased and and thrilled to be part of the community in this conversation. Well, it's so important to be able to bring stories of fathers out into into the open because I think so many times those stories get lost. And part of the the reason that Dads with Daughters uh, exists, that the Dads with Daughters podcast exists, is the fact that we want to make sure that people hear these stories. So first and foremost, I love talking to to fathers about their journey and talking about the journey that they had coming into being a father themselves. So I want you to to turn the clock back in time. Now I know you have four kids and you've got you've got everything from a 19 to a 5-year-old and I want to talk about those daughters of yours so be, that are right in the middle that we were talking about before we started today. So you had a son. You had a son when you when you first kind of became a father, and then you had daughters. So think back to that first reaction when you found out that you were going to be a father to a daughter. Tell me about that. <laughs> I mean, some guys could laugh and say, you know, oh my gosh, I have to go out and get a registered licensed weapon. Um, and then there's some of, <laughs> there's some of us like myself where it, it's just a, a I would say a blessing. And I say that because any of our, all of our kids are a blessing. And the, the moment that I found out I was going to have a daughter, it just creates this balance that I think we all look for in our families when it comes to um, just kind of this not over dominance in the household, you know, and, and it's not because that isn't appreciated with a household full of boys or a household full of girls, but there's something in what I would call like a synergy when you can find out that you have a fairly close ratio of boys to girls in the household. But I was pleased either way. It was just a bonus when I found out it was going to be a daughter. Now, because it's a, it's something that we all have to learn when we have daughters, we've not lived that experience and there's going to be challenges along the way as we try to figure that out for ourselves as, as dads. And, and that happens with sons too, but especially with daughters in my experience, what have, what would you say has been the hardest part of being a father to a daughter? Great, great question. The The thing about it is, is just relating, is relating to their, their path, their journey in, in life uh, and their through maturity and not knowing what it was like growing up as a, as a female. And so, you know, as a, as a dad with a son, for example, we can remember similar scenarios because we have our worldview as a, as a male. So I'd say that was the, the hardest challenge. Um, because it's just a matter of when we look at something, females can see it very differently. I mean, that doesn't have to just be gender specific, but there are nuances with a female versus a male. And I'd say that's the biggest challenge. However, it's a challenge that is welcomed and also a challenge that I have fully embraced because it teaches you more as who you are as a male. 
And there's other aspects that you find out about yourself as a male, because if you are taking the time to, in a sense, be empathetic, to understand one, the individual, and then two, how they could see things based on how they're describing it to you. And you're saying, that's interesting. I would never have seen that. I don't know if that's because I'm a male or not. It does really, if you, if you at least open the door from that perspective, it helps dramatically to um, engage them more, but more importantly for them to feel like they're understood. I love that answer because I think that it's, it's spot on for my experience as well. Now, as you think about your daughters and raising daughters in today's society, what, what would you say are your biggest fears? Well, so it's funny that you, you asked that question because uh, one of them is part of the uh, Girl Scouts, which it's funny that organization, most of us is associated with just cookie sales, um, but not knowing enough about it. And then when she decided that she wanted to get involved, in it, this is my eight-year-old daughter, so this is my oldest daughter. And then finding out what they're doing and what they're teaching them, it was fantastic to see you know, the, the combination of maintaining femininity, but also empowering young girls to become very strong women, which I think really at the end of the day, every male wants that. They don't want to have an, an unequal uh, level of, of household power, if you want to call it that, um, because it, it does make much more of an efficient family and household when there's a, there's a system of balance there. So with my daughter, um, the one thing that I've seen is just, just that it's just seeing her, um, having these opportunities to grow as a strong woman, but to also maintain the femininity and the challenge I think is there. Um, especially now that women are, are increasingly getting more doors open for them from prior decades. Um, so the way that we're approaching it and my wife is a very strong woman as well is we're creating that, how to have that balance between maintaining your femininity and also being a strong woman, being being with the mindset of a leader, and it doesn't matter if if you're if you have a, a different if it's a different gender, it doesn't it's not gender specific. And I think that letting them know that that it's opportunities there for everyone as they continue to grow, not no matter what the gender. Now I think that all of us as fathers. Uh, definitely want to impart that in in our daughters and, and want our daughters to be strong, independent women. You know, it's something in the tagline of this show itself that we say we're trying to raise these strong, independent women. Mm-hmm. And and I think part of that, for me anyways, is finding those commonalities, finding those things that we can share together to, to spend that one-on-one time that allows for us to be able to to create those connections, create those bonds what would you say are some of the favorite things that that you do and share with your daughters? So I like to expose I like to expose them to the the world of men and in ways of let's say at their stage of life the world of men loves to dominate dominate around sports, um, generally speaking. So I've exposed them to a lot of different activities that are sport related. Like right now, I can hear my daughter out in the backyard. She's playing a, a version of wall ball, um, and she's doing great at it and loves it. Um, and so, and and as a health and human performance advisor, I also get a two for one special with that because she's engaging in something that's movement based and healthy. Um, so outside, outside and, and active, which is critical. Um, and so I think that's one area. And then what I do is instead of me looking for ways for how they can relate to me as a male, I have also found that I need to find ways to relate to them as a female. 
So that means trying to find like an inner feminine side of myself. And so it creates a deeper connection. And I, the first place that I've started to, to evaluate with that as becoming a, a dad with daughters is my emotional side. You know, as all of us guys just sometimes just push away is our feelings. And the, the more that you can understand your feelings and the more you can connect with more of an emotional individual, generally speaking, the female population being more forward with their emotions, um, which is fantastic. And that, I think, really is another area that I, I've learned to connect in a way that I'm trying to understand them, not have them understand me. Well, I love that answer because I think that we all do have to be vulnerable and we have to be able to be willing to to take chances and and to st- set aside some of the preconceived things that we grew up with as as men to be able to connect on a deeper level like you said to be able to make those long-lasting connections that are going to stay with our daughters throughout their lives. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's part of the the really unique bond that a father and a daughter have in their lives. And, and that's why fathers being involved in their daughter's lives are so important as well. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, thank you. So as I promised, we were going to talk to you today, William, about nutrition, because as a uh, person that is working on a daily basis in health and human performance and in nutrition, you know, I, I know that not every father understands the importance of nutrition, that we may not have made the best choices throughout our lives. We get into our, our, you know, get, we have, but then when we have kids and we're being able to model things for those kids and they start to do the same things that we're doing, then it becomes a little more clear about some of the choices that we're making on a daily basis. But it's not always easy to make those right choices. So I, I guess what I want to do is let's start off by talking a little bit about nutrition and the importance of nutrition for fathers today. But then uh, then I'm going to delve a little bit deeper into some of the things that we can do to make maybe small incremental changes in our own lives that will help us move in the right direction to be nor- to be healthier in the choices that we're making in regards to our nutrition. The thing about nutrition, just to get things started for all of us now that now that you brought it up, I'm sure there's many listeners that are all of a sudden thinking about like how they eat. You know, they're now they're contemplating it because we we put it on the radar, right? Um, and that's why I love to have the conversation with people regularly is because it's when you don't have the conversation about any topic and it's not something that you're talking about regularly. It's just something that's not part of the the daily the daily talk. Then all of a sudden, that proverbial boat, looking at the boat being the the conversation topic, gets pretty far from the dock. And when it gets pretty far from the dock, all of a sudden you look out one day and you're like, whoa, that's way far away. And that gap between where the boat is and where you're standing on that dock is a huge, huge swim. So anyway, with that being said, it's good to have the conversation because if you're not, then one day you're going to wake up and you're going to realize, oh boy, you know what? I'm 50 pounds overweight and I've got high blood pressure and my doctor's saying I have to take this medication and I don't know what happened. So I think I would start off a small, simple step is to have a conversation about what people are eating, kids, family, um, the relationships between the parents, if there's two parents involved, and just on a regular basis, hey, like, you know, what'd you eat today is something very simple. I always ask my kids what they had if I didn't prepare the particular meal, which I do prepare all their meals. Um, and I and I do that because I also enjoy preparing their meals. But I, I asked them, like when they went to a birthday party recently, I said, well, what'd you eat? 
And they know the question now isn't like, well, what'd you eat? It's more just a conversation piece. Because if I know that they know what they eat and what they're eating, they're aware of it. And that's the first place to start. If people aren't aware of what they're putting in their mouth, it's just like not being aware of your budget. Next thing you know, you're like, wow, I spent that much money on that. So um, being aware of it is the first step. And I know the the term and the and the and the point of view of awareness is very big right now in a lot of different circles of of just the social sphere out there. So I, I don't want it to be a cliche statement, but it is it's critical to 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 have with everything is that awareness because at least it's not like walking into a business or an operation or a new job and you're not aware of anything, so you just start doing whatever you want. Like you have to be aware of the environment and when it comes to nutrition. It simply starts just by having the conversation with the people involved that you want to have better health. And that's including yourself. Because if you talk about it with someone else, you're going to be contemplating about what you ate. So that would be the first place to start. And then I think it's great when you talk about uh, the small steps, that being one of them. And then the the other part is that once you have the conversation of nutrition, and we can get into this uh, definitely probably with another question that you'll have soon, is then we'll... Now that I'm aware that I'm having the conversation, what do I what do I need to look for? Like, what are the the missteps, the errors, or the liabilities, or what am I doing right? So there's definitely a lot of confusion on that, and I'm sure I'll have some time to to clear that up. Oh, I love that because I think that there are missteps and things that sometimes people I think feel that it's too difficult to eat healthily or it's too expensive to eat healthy, mm-hmm. and there's some truth to that, that some things that are the healthiest things that you see in the grocery store may be a little more expensive Mm -hmm. than something else. But when you think of the long-term health repercussions, Mm -hmm. that's going to be more expensive. Exactly. And, you know, the medicine that you have to take, as you said, and things like that. So, so let's talk about some of those missteps or some of those myths that are out there that, that people are hearing all the time, because I'm sure that people hear it and they may not completely understand that what they're hearing until later. So the biggest ones uh, are that are myths uh, that I'll, I'll just go through the list. And, and I won't really expand on them too much because it, since they're myths, um, I think a lot of them have been put into a, like, a, like a dark cloud scenario or like a dark point of view. And so I didn't, I don't want to go in there and, and blow up anyone's ship if all of a sudden, you know, they, they've invested some time in something. But to clear up some of the myths from this being not my necessarily my academic background, but largely my experiential background, which I appreciate in in this regard a little bit higher because there's a lot of things that say it, if you do A, you do B, then you get C when it comes to nutrition, and it doesn't work that way. Um, so the first myth I would say is that you, you need to be focusing on protein, carbohydrates, and fat. So protein being all your animal products, and also there's plant-based proteins out there now, and that's emerging at a much higher level in terms of people being aware of it. It wasn't that it's not, it's nothing new. It's just more people, like I was saying before, being aware of plant-based options. And it's not that one is better than the other. So I think that the myth is there's an over-focus on those and that those need to be the, the point of focus when it comes to someone focusing on nutrition or changing their nutrition from good to bad, bad, whatever it may be. And that is like focusing on all the materials that you need to build a house and that's it. Like you buy all the the wood, you buy the lumber, you buy, you get the concrete guy to come out, but there's nobody there to do the work. So you've just got a bunch of resources sitting around and no one's there to do the work. So it can't be just focused on protein, carbohydrates, and fat. 
And that's the myth. The busting to that myth or to circumvent it, to add to it, so to speak, is you have to have the workers, the workers to actually take those materials and build the house. And that's all your vitamins, your minerals, your enzymes, all of those things that are going to actually do the work to put it together. And then you have a synergy, just like um, if you're any one of you are Lakers fans out there, they brought on LeBron James last year. They did not have the season they thought they would because they didn't have the workers. They didn't have those vitamins and minerals to support LeBron, which is he's like a basically like a protein, carbohydrate and fat. Like he's the he gets all the attention in that regard. But they the back office, the GM, the the role players on the team, they weren't there. So now that you have synergy of the role players, the worker foods, and you have the the material foods or the proteins and carbohydrates and fat, they all came together and look at the season they're having. So I would say that'd be number one. Um, and then number two is not so much of a myth, but I guess it's just a misunderstanding. And uh, I would say it, it's it's more critical than what you're putting in in terms of food is is water. And it, it's such a important part because it's 75% of us were made of water. So that means that as soon as you're 70% of water, your body's like, there's 5% of us missing. We're a little stressed out right now. So could, if you just go get some 5%, that'd be great because we need to be able to, to get some blood from your head to your feet. And that's kind of hard when 5% of us is missing. So with that being said, that doesn't mean go out and, and start focusing on water and, and, and drinking a ton. It's just a matter of, again, being aware of like how much water did I drink? And if you don't know, then now you've got some work to do and a good place to start. So then that way, you know, like at least it's not just a matter of being aware, but what's a good step at least to, to get to is about 64 ounces a day. And so there's a lot of different information out there about half your body weight and all these formulas. Those come into play once you're at least at that 64. That's kind of your, your ground zero. So if you're getting that 64, which for a visual reference, if you go to your dairy section, it's just one of those paper carton uh, gallon containers. So you just drink one of those throughout the day, not a milk, one of those throughout the day, just th- about that size. And most water bottles have their ounces on them now and, and whether it's something you're buying or not. So I would say that would be number two. So don't overfocus on the protein, carbohydrates, and fat and make sure that you're getting at least your 64 ounces of water to start. Like That is going to be far more effective, not only in the short term, but in the long term, and the, the analogy that I'll use is that it sounds so simple, but in order for any little plant to grow, it needs sunlight, water, and good soil. So it doesn't matter what kind of fertilizer you're giving it. It doesn't matter like what you know what you what you bought to put in the soil or like who planted it. And like, well, it was a good gardener. It, it doesn't matter if it doesn't have sunlight, doesn't have water, doesn't have soil. It's not going to grow. So if you don't have water. And if you don't have, if you have an overfocus on other things like not enough of micronutrients, not enough vitamins and minerals, then you're not going to be healthy. And it, it's going to affect how you are with everyone, not, not just your daughters, but everybody. I really appreciate you sharing that too, because I think that you're completely right. And I think that you take those small steps you, and, you, and you make it a routine. That helps to make you kind of move in the right direction. You know, for me, one of the things, first things that I do every morning is I drink two 16-ounce glasses of water to kickstart my systems. And I, I learned that a long time ago. I was listening to somebody talking, and he was talking about doing it himself. And I said, hmm, because he talked about how, how, mu- how much better he felt after he he did that, and he, and he started putting that in. Now, I think he also added some like electrolytes or something into the water. I don't do that. I just kind of drink the water myself. But, but, but it does make a difference, and it gets me 
less groggy with that. And, and not that I don't drink coffee, you know, because I can, I will drink coffee every once in a while to in the morning too. But, but the water I think is the most important because it, it really does. It makes me feel like things are moving in the right direction. Um, so I, I appreciate you sharing that. Now let's talk a little bit about when we're talking about nutrition, we're also talking about what to eat because I think that that's an important piece is you walk into the grocery store and if you're trying to eat healthy, it's sometimes hard because you, you walk in and you can get, you know, distracted by all the different things that look very tasty and are very tasty. Mm-hmm. Um, they may not be the most nutritious, mm-hmm. but, uh, but they definitely, you know, give you that satisfaction for the, either the sweets or the savory or the, you know, the spice or whatever it is that your palate likes. So let's talk a little bit about some of the basics in regards to if someone's trying to make some some incremental changes in regards to what they're eating and trying to put healthier things into their body, what, where should they start? I'll bring one of them in from the prior question, which start with water. In terms of like the the main thing about us as human beings, like our number one priority is is self-preservation. You know, so at the end of the day, our bodies will do everything and anything to make sure that it, it's it's okay. And it, so it's it's constantly trying to balance that with all the different things that we're asking it to do. And so uh, water uh, is second. First is air. You know, you can only live three minutes without air, Three about three days without water, and then probably like about two and a half weeks without food. So I, I just want, when people consider nutrition, I consider air part of that because it's of, of how we're taking it in and we're utilizing it and it, and it does help us, uh, I mean, obviously, because it's only three minutes. So I, I don't need to go much deeper beyond that. And then the water from the prior question, but then to the food part. So I love how you set the stage with the grocery store because people walk in, I walk in all the time and whether there be somebody sampling something from a company and you're like, Oh, that try that. I'll buy that. Now all of a sudden you're derailed and you had maybe an agenda of, of picking up what you thought were healthy things. and You're buying something that tastes good. Um, which is, is good that you're using taste as an indicator, but at the same time, it's like, you know, like what else did they put in there to make sure that it was tasting good? So what I always do, and I still do to this day is you have to have an agenda when you're going and sourcing your food. And I would say that's the first step in, in actually what you need to do to eat right is you have to be able to go and know how to get the right stuff. Cause it's, it's not enough to be like, Oh, I'm just going to start eating this way. I'm going to do, you know, some particular way of eating that my coworker or my good friend lost a ton of weight and he also got a ton of energy and he ate this way. Great. But you have to go get the, the things to do that. So how are you going to do that? So the factor about changing nutrition that we don't give enough time to is time. It's the time to go get it. It's the time to prepare it. And when you realize that it does take more time to eat healthy, it can be a serious uh, way to derail your motivations because all of a sudden you're spending hours a week trying to do this. Whereas before it was just either like a phone call through a service that dropped it off to you, or you just drove down the road and picked something up. There's a price that to pay with things that are easy. And unfortunately that price is nothing that people don't like in the long run. So the, the, the price to pay when you have to work a lot harder is minimal and the benefit and the upside is massive. So it, for myself, when I just thought about that, when I was very young about nutrition, it was an easy answer for me because I, I didn't want to have more things to deal with as time went on. I wanted to have less things to deal with. So sourcing is the most important thing. I have a list and I would recommend everyone have a list. And at, at some point, I'm happy to share what I would call like my, my standard list with all the listeners. And that gives them a great place to point their compass 
when they walk into where they're shopping, grocery store, market, farmer's market, wherever it may be. And to know that if you have these things on your list checked off, it's like you have your essentials. And then everything else beyond that is discretionary because then with nutrition, the other part that I look at is 80% of the time you want to follow the rules of healthy rules. And then 20% of the time you don't want to follow the rules. And that's my long-term strategy that I practice. And I have everybody that I work with practice that whether they're a high performance athlete or they're, you know, a dad working with, with their kids and their family, or it's just, they're even just a, a dad want a person about to become a dad. Those rules apply for every human being. And I would say them as guidelines, 80% of the time you follow whatever healthy strategy you're following to the letter. And that could be through your day, 80% of the day, you're right on the money. And then 20% of your day, you're like, I'm going to go have whatever that drink is, or that slice of, or whatever that bag is. And that builds in the long-term strategy so that you're not a hundred percent and nothing because you'll go a hundred percent. And then all, all of a sudden you'll be nothing in a sense. You'll go a hundred percent into something healthy. You can't keep that up because there's not 365 days out of the year that are sunny. And so all of a sudden, one day, it'll all go to waste because you won't be able to maintain that 100. And you're going to have some sort of a story like, yeah, I stopped doing that way I was eating or that diet or whatever it may be because you didn't set yourself up with a cushion, that 20% cushion that allows for you to have the things that you know you don't want to give up or it's something that's part of a social aspect of your family. Maybe like every Friday is like a particular dining out scenario at not the healthiest place. You didn't want to give that up because then it disrupts the whole family structure. There's even social aspects where it's like maybe it's a workout deal and you're like, well, I can't eat anything healthy here. Well, make that to your 20%. Make your family night out at the place where it's not the healthiest. That's your 20%. I have a brother-in-law, a very healthy guy. And they, like every Friday they have like a burger night and you know, it's, that's their 20% in, in that given sense. And, and they love it. And 80% of the time, they're eating very healthy and it shows. So I would say water would be the first place to start. Second is your sourcing in a sense of like, how are you going to go about eating healthy? Not necessarily even choosing what to eat. Like what are your what are your ways of how you're going to start shopping? What would that shopping list look like? I, I'm happy to share what that would be in terms of the essentials that you should have every week. And then the next thing is, Keep in mind that you, when you do get your food and you're deciding to eat what you're going to eat, 80% of it should be healthy, 20% 20, 20 of it should be things that are not, in a sense, what you would call healthy. And it's enough of a ratio to not be too, what we would call strict or unrealistic. And it's still enough of a ratio where you're going to see significant changes in your energy and how you look as well. You know, And something that you talked about earlier, Chris, was a lot of what we're doing if not the majority of it, is how our kids and our daughters are learning. It's not really as much as what we're saying. So when they see us practicing those habits, those are the things that they're going to wake up when they're 20, 30, 40 and later and they have their own kids and they're going to say, Dad, I'm so glad that you did that. And you, you may not even have been aware that you were doing it. It was just you were just following or you were just following what you thought was right and you were setting the tone. Well, I, I completely agree with you. I think that uh, it's not an easy thing, but it's definitely something that we can get to. And I pre I appreciate that you are willing to share your list there too. And I'll, well, we'll get that from you and we'll put that in our notes today so that people can access that and be able to move forward. Now, we always finish our interviews with what we like to call our Fatherhood Five, where we ask you five questions to delve deeper into you as a parent. Are you ready? I'm ready. In one word, what is fatherhood? Fatherhood, in a sense, is being able to set an example for the next generation 
of a combination of these are the things that I would recommend to avoid and these are the things that I are available to you. So fatherhood is opening up the space for future generations to meet where you are and then surpass it so that it continues to expand for everyone. When was a time you felt like you finally succeeded as a father to a daughter? When they are doing the things that I say that they're doing without me asking. And I mean that in a sense where they are never, like I never brought it up that they should do something. I never asked them to do that. And all of a sudden it was just done. Like a quick example was how my daughter, my youngest daughter took a, a, a picture out of my son's T-ball photos that they had for the team. He cut it out. She cut it out, hung it up on the fridge, like my wife who normally does that. And I all of a sudden I said, who hung this up on the fridge? She goes, well, I did. So it, that's just a small example. But when you see them taking action on the things that you have been telling them to do and they did it without you asking, that is the sign of success for things to come. Very true. Now, how would your kids describe you as a dad? They would describe me as a balance between being very demanding and very supportive because I know that they're capable of so much as we all are. Um, so that's the demanding part. And knowing that it's it's not okay to just rest on your laurels and think that everything's going to be okay. And But supportive because you know you can't just be saying go, 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 go without also letting them know that you're right there. And it's not there to, in a sense, catch them if they're going to fall. It's just to know that when they do fall, you're going to be able to be there to help them get back up and keep going. Now, who inspires you to be a better father? Definitely my dad. Uh, and definitely my mom as well. My parents, I would say in general, they, they've been married now for about 65 years. I'm one of five. And, you know, at one where they, we had their 50th wedding anniversary, we threw a surprise party for them. And I'm the youngest of the five. So my brother orchestrated the majority of it. And I remember one thing that he said was what he thought was the secret to success is us as a family, all seven of us, uh, was that my parents just loved each other so much and they're still headed over heels in love with each other. So that's very inspiring because at the end of the day, when your kids see love either between a spouse or if it's a single dad, if he if they see the love from their dad, that's really that's that's everything. And 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 to have that is is so grounding and so at the same time propelling for kids. Uh, and and it, you, you can't articulate it. It's just one of those things where it's like it was there and it was just essential as air. Now you've given a lot of different advice today, but what's one other piece of advice that you would give to all dads? Uh, I would say to know that you don't have all the answers. And so, and to, to say that to yourself regularly, just to, to know that as a dad, even though you want to be able to feel the answers or give the answers to your kids' questions, uh, it's okay to work it out with them too. Um, and so the advice that I would say is to be humble and to know that just because now that you're a father, it, there, there's not this pressure to know it all. And there's definitely not this expectation to know it all. And I think as, as part of what we talked about with the community that you have, there's a lot of engagement about getting answers. And I think that when you know it's okay to ask and when you know it's okay to not know that you don't know, that's okay. And, and then it's part of the journey. It's part of the process of being a dad. And so it's, it's never something that ends. It's always something that continues, which is so exciting. At the same time, there's always a new challenge and there's always a new, uh, new opportunity. And so I think that would be how I would say with that one. 
Well, William, I really appreciate you being with us today. If people want to learn more about you or get more information on what you're doing, is there a best place for people to find you? Yeah, they can find me online on my website. It's just willmaloney.com. And I've been up there for a while. And I, the way that I, when people reach out to me is there's not a particular list or anything that they join. There's just a way for them to go ahead and uh, set some time aside with me, about 15 minutes. I'm always happy to get on the phone. I like that interaction. I like that the old school method of how do people build relationships. So that's the website, the specific address um, I can put in the show notes where they can set up a time and we can talk and I'd be happy to do that. Well, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for all that you do and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate having you on the show. And and to all those dads out there, it's it's a journey. So just remember that. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be